But I want to tell you what today's upside down is. If you haven't heard the previous messages, I encourage you to go back. Why? Because I really believe it's a mindset shifting series and it can really help you. But especially last week's, tying into this week's, because I talked more of a global big church message than an individual message. And what that means is I wasn't necessarily dealing with you. I was dealing with us and what we've tolerated and tolerating the Jezebel spirit that I believe is, is reigning in the earth and how the cancel culture of today wants to cancel everything. And if you disagree with anything that the mainstream agenda wants you to do, you're canceled out. But today I want to show you how it affects you individually, how it affects me individually, and how we can know that, that we're being affected by it. Now listen, I want y'all to get this. Some of us have been affected, but you got to be really careful when you're infected. And there's a difference. And the difference is when you're infected, when you're infected, that doesn't mean that you're demon-possessed, but when you're infected, everything that you do will have an agenda that is not godly. Everything you, you do will be skewed. You'll be twisted. And you can tell. By the way, I don't know if you can tell, but we can tell. Right? People can tell when you're infected. But look at me. There's not one person, not one with zero exceptions, watching online or in this room, the huge crowd that was at the first service, there's no one that's not, no one that's not been affected regularly by this spirit. And so, this upside down, thinking God's way, this last one is upside down. Say this word. Say it loud. Control. Control. This is a remote. Come on. This is a remote. Control. control. And we love to have it, don't we? If you're married and you have a remote in your bedroom, huh? Y'all know that this is something that we argue over, right? Because if sports is on, I'm probably trying to watch sports. And Leah's kind, so she just nods a little bit. But she ain't into it. And if Leah gets her way, matter of fact, when I'm at my small group or whatever and I come in, holy Moses, it ain't what I would choose. Something hallmarky, something life, I mean, just I want to cry. I look at it and go, no, really, if I watch this, I will want to cry. Like, why do you want to cry? This is awful. And we argue over it. And it's crazy because I had this planned. And yesterday, I could hear my kids in the next room. One of them is right here. She actually was the innocent one, so... I'll give her a pass on this. She was watching, I think, the new Beauty and the Beast, and she had finished watching the new Cinderella. And Haston goes, Laney! Oh, my gosh, we have to watch another princess movie? This is terrible. And then I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, it's true, control. You want to just terrible. I would have said the same thing to my sisters. And then he says, you always want to watch the stupid princess shows. <laughs> Followed by, Mom, Cece won't let me watch what I want to watch. She's watching. Now, Haston really does get the remote about 80% of the time. So I intervened and said, amen. Not amen. Amen. Calm down, right? <laughs> and Lady got to watch it, and then she went away, and he watched what he wanted to watch. But it's always something like this. Or if y'all go to restaurants, and I think most of us do, Y'all been in a restaurant that you wanted it to be a little bit nicer? Whether it was or not, it was a date or it was an anniversary or something like that. And two tables from you, sometimes right behind you, is a kid that is buck wild. And they're standing over and they're looking at your table. And you're thinking to yourself, where's your mama? 
Can somebody please get control of these children? Or we say something like, they are out of control. And we, we, we say that, y'all, y'all better talk to me. We say stuff like that until we have kids. Right? And then it's like, you know what, it's just, they just play and it's not that they're just being kids. It ain't that big of a deal. But if we can be honest in here, y'all listen, with no exceptions, I mean this, with zero exceptions, every one of us struggle in the area of control. Now, not all control is bad. So I don't want y'all to believe that I believe that every bit of control is a bad thing. Matter of fact, we're called to operate in some form of control. Like it's my job in my home to establish the culture of my home. And if I don't, and I blame other people, or I blame society, or I blame everything else, then I've not done, I've not managed and stewarded. That's really the words that you're supposed to use. I've not done that, my job in that. The culture of the atmosphere of the worship area, or, or, the, or the volunteers, or everything, that's ultimately on me. That does not mean that I know how many people were in the lobby today volunteering. I do not. I'm, char- I'm, in, I'm charged to lead it. But the atmosphere is my responsibility. However, where I get myself in trouble, and I've learned this more and more this week. I've really been convicted. I'm ready to give this to y'all and then keep going. But what I've really been convicted about in understanding is how much I try to control like this white knuckle. For example, the safety of my children. No one should put their children in harm's way. Are y'all, if y'all agree, say yes. yes. I mean, nobody thinks that. But there's also an element of of being paralyzed with fear about something possibly happening to my kids or my wife in my case. And it, con- it controls us. It's not necessarily that we try to control them, although there's situations where we do. When I was a student pastor, um, we had this lady who was one of my youth parents, and she wouldn't let her kids touch the ocean. Now, hear what I'm saying. This much in, because the bacteria could kill them. And I would just... I, I was in my 20s, so I need a little grace. I would just laugh at her. Be like, that is hilarious. I mean, they weren't allowed to be in the sun. I'm not talking about being in the sun 12 hours. I'm talking about a force field around them wasn't allowed to be in the sun. Why? She wanted to control. It was like a bubble. I felt like I was watching powder. And, and it, like, if anything ever touched them, they were going to die. And I was always kind of making fun of them because it was such an extreme. But all of us may not be to that extreme, but we all feel certain things that we over-control. Here's the point of that. Here's why this is so big. God gave us free will. God gave us the ability to think for ourselves and operate in free will. And once I step past what he has ordained for me to lead in, listen, to lead in, then I step across him being God most high and lifted up. And I say, no, I can handle that better than you. So why do we fear? Why do we fear? And I'm not talking about, there's things that we should have fear in. But why do we get gripped by certain fears? Because we really don't trust that God will handle it. Why do we have anxiety? Are there chemical anxieties? Absolutely. But, but anxiety that's not chemical, that lasts and keep lasting, is me believing God won't get it right. Bitterness is believing that he already messed it up. And so, so the issue is, and what I, what I tend to struggle in is, I'm supposed to relinquish control because God gave me free will and choice. Go back to the Garden of Eden. If y'all don't know the story, it's, it's this simple. God made Adam and Eve and said, look, here's a garden. 
you have control. You have authority to eat of everything. Matter of fact, I want you to name all the animals to do all of this except for one thing. What was the one thing he was told not to do? Don't eat the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat the fruit. One thing. So if we look at God and say, God, you're a God of rules, we miss what he originally did. God wasn't legalistic. He said, you got free reign to do all this. Just don't do this because I'm protecting you. What did they do? This. One thing. They have one job. There's no rules. There's one rule. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. They only had one thing they couldn't do, and they still did it. And so it threw them into what the Bible calls is the curse. When sin came in the world, the curse happened. Now, I'm going to show you how every man and woman falls under this curse called control. God said to Eve, I will sharpen the pain. This is after sin. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you will give birth. Any women in here that's had babies, you should say, Amen. there we go. I don't know, but I mean, I'm thankful I don't. Jesus did it. And you will desire to, say this word, and you will desire to, some of y'all, I bet you y'all are spiritual. So y'all will say, not me, lying. It ain't true. You want to. Watch, this is not about personality types, because some of y'all are assassins. I'm telling the truth. I'm a big personality, so I'm a loud assassin. But the quiet ones that are introverted, y'all try to control different ways. It has to be their idea, so you constantly give me my ideas, right? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. But it says that you desire to control your husband, but the husband will rule over you. Now, this sounds like, okay, that's God's plan. It ain't. This word means control you. So, pause. That's not God's plan for marriage. Any husband that's taken the Bible, and out of context, you say, well, the husband head of the household. <laughs> Got him, wife. Sit down and hush. You forgot to read the whole passage. 521. This is Ephesians. We're going to get there in a few weeks. 521. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Who's supposed to be ruling my household? Jesus. Matter of fact, in the order, Haston, Laney, and Leah, it's supposed to be Jesus, Leah, Laney, and Haston. They're tied for third. Right? I'm, I'm in fifth place in my home because it's husbands are the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church and gave himself up for her, washing her with the water of the word. So my word should cleanse. It should build up. I am called to lead, but not the way... Like this, not with a strong fist, but as a servant. So anytime I try to supersede God, matter of fact, let me just say it this way. Anytime I try to control rather than lead and manage, I've taken God's spot. Because God is such a gentleman, he won't force his way in. He'll say, all right, buddy, if you got it, you got it. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm telling you that we do it all the time. Our nation right now is asking the question, where is God in all this? And I can tell you the answer. He's just done what we've asked him. Get out of the way. I'm in charge. Why? Because we have this inerrant desire to control. And it comes from last week's message. Like anytime you're around a control freak, here's what you can know. They're either affected or infected by that Jezebel. Because that's the area that she operates in, and it's not a woman, I'm sorry. 
that spirit operates in the most. It, it definitely can take the form of a man or a woman. But it manifests or shows up in the area of control probably more than anything else. Why? Because the things that I believe or I feel like I don't have control over, I cling to even more and I get white knuckled. And it is not godly. It is not righteous. And do you know what I've noticed? I'm giving y'all a little bit more than the first. Y'all are blessed and highly favored. <laughs> I've noticed that people love to, to act like they're overly spiritual. Do you know I get nervous every time I see people in my office or meet with people and they begin by telling me how awesome they are spiritually? I get nervous because I'm like, I read the Bible a lot, but I suck. Right? Why? Because I'm human and I struggle in my sin nature all the time. And no matter how much I follow Jesus, he shows me different, more and more and more areas that are not submitted to him that need broken. And so if I come to you and tell you how great I am, well, then I've missed the true Jesus. And I've put him in religion. I've put religion in its place. Here's, here's what I would tell you, plain and simple. Religion that is not true religion or godly religion, that's only a relationship with Jesus. Any form of religion other than this is the Jezebel spirit. Why? Because go through religions. They try to control you. Let's talk about the Muslim faith. There's a hierarchy. They're in charge. If you don't bow down before them, you're out. So anytime there's a hierarchy and the hierarchy wants to control you, that, that is a spirit. Y'all look at me. It just ain't the holy one. Y'all with me? And oftentimes, this spirit manipulates its way into churches, into Christian homes. You know how it happens in our homes? We read the Bible in verses like Proverbs where it says, spare the rod and spoil the child which I do believe biblical. But if it's done outside of a proper relationship, so in other words, if I spank my child, which Lainey's kind of too old now, so that doesn't happen with her, but with her brother, it still does some. But if I do that outside of a relationship, outside of having conversation, pointing them back to Jesus, then I'm trying to control them and I beat them. And it's a manipulative thing and it becomes abuse and we give ourselves a pass for abuse because we call it spiritual. It's not. It's just abuse. And we do it all the time. We do it with our coworkers when we have a little bit of authority over them because we love to lord with authority. If you love authority, listen, in your own life, but you won't submit to authority, it's a good telltale sign that control is gripping you and it's something having to do with spirit. So I want to show you the areas of control. If y'all are taking notes, it's a good time to take notes. And if not, I trust that you have photographic memory. Come on, somebody, and you'll remember it all because y'all are smart. Here we go. Number one is lying. Someone say lying. 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 Haven't we all done this? If you don't say yes, you just lied. So I, you know, I got participation anyway, right? We all do it. Whether it's one lie a week, I mean, I hate it. And I catch myself and I go, why did I say that? Like that wasn't all the truth. There was a little bit in there. Here's why we do it. We do it because we want people to think better about us, right? We do it because we, we're afraid of the outcome. So if, if the outcome's going to be this, if I just twist this much, then it'll be okay. But what we don't understand is the reason I lie is because I want to control a conversation, a situation, an outcome, a relationship, whatever it is. And some people will give you the advice, well, if you tell them the truth, it would hurt them. But I'm going to give you the advice, if you don't tell them the truth, you become God. Because I don't get to sit God on things if I do it my way. 
We love to quote verses. I love Exodus 14, 14. I think about it all the time. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be silent. The Lord, my God, will fight for me. What I need to do is quote that verse and to say, put a little side tag as long as I don't try to be God. As long as I don't manipulate the situation and start telling lies. I should not ask God for my help or for his help, excuse me, in my situation if I'm going to lie about things. Why? Because he is truth. He, he doesn't tell the truth. He is the truth. That's what the Bible says. He is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. And so, so what I do in these situations is I take God out of the equation. Whether it's on purpose or not, I, I know for, for me, if y'all are like me, it's not on purpose. I don't, I don't think, okay, God, you're not involved anymore. I just think, what's this going to do? How's this going to happen? Leah will be mad at me if she finds out I bought this golf club, so I need to tell her I didn't. Right? It's simple stuff. Is that, big of, is that that big of a deal? No, but I stepped into agreement with Satan when I did it. Because lies are always, and I put that word always on purpose because I, I don't love that word because some of the time it's not true in some cases. In this case, I couldn't find in my mind going through, I couldn't find one lie that wasn't rooted in control. Why else would we lie? I love what a famous theologian who's been gone for a couple hundred years said, so I won't quote him because most of y'all don't know who he is, but I'm giving him credit anyway. He said, the truth is like a lion. You ain't got to defend it. Just let it loose. It'll defend itself. But for many of us, it's difficult because once I let truth out, watch, I now can't control a situation. I can't control an outcome. And I, and I want it to be this way. So even in our prayer time, we say, God, I would like for that to end up this way. Knowing full well that our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways, they're higher. That I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean on my own understanding and in all my ways acknowledging him, he'll make my path straight. But in the middle of understanding that, I say, God, I need this to be the outcome. And if it's not that way, guess what we'll do? We'll lie. Right? I know this ain't just me, but it might, y'all can know for sure it is, and it has been in the past. I want, I want you to see Jezebel in this. Last week, I, I showed you 1 Kings 21. If, 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 you, if you weren't here, you haven't heard it. Go back and read the whole thing. But in this particular case, this guy named Naboth is approached by the king, who's Jezebel's husband in the Old Testament, and he wants the vineyard. There's so much to this vineyard thing that I can't get into this week like that I taught last week, but he wants the vineyard. And Ahab's pouting and says, he won't sell it to me, and I'm so upset. And Jezebel says to him, are you not the king? Like, are you not the king? Get up, eat something, and don't worry about it. Why? Because I'll get the vineyard. How are you going to get the vineyard? She wrote a letter in Ahab's name. This is, this is number one. When we'll, when we'll, this could be the next point, which is manipulation. When we'll, when we'll say someone else said I could do this and they never said it, huh? Well, I used him. It's cool. And then sealed it with his seal. This is not him, but she said it was. This, she didn't sign it, Jezebel. She signed it, what? Say it loud. Huh. We do that with God, but I'll keep going. And sent them to the elders and the leaders of the town. Now watch what, watch what happened. In the letter, it commanded, call all the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth a place of honor at the head table. So oftentimes, the truth will be in there and flattery will come. Y'all got to watch this. Flattery will come. And we got to watch that we don't do this. And then put two scoundrels 
across from him who will accuse, accuse him of cursing God and the king and then take him out and stone him. And that's exactly what happened. He was stoned to death for something he did not do. Why? Because the way this works in us is when we don't get our way and we don't like it, we'll bring up an accusation that's not even true. Listen to me. I do believe this has been a, a long time since I have, but I can tell you I did something almost identical to this, and it embarrassed me. And for years, it haunted me. I don't believe God haunted me. I just believe I took God out of the equation because I didn't want them to think these certain things about me, and I wanted the outcome to be different. And so I manipulated my way through, and I told lies. You know the stink, terrible thing about lies, crappy thing, whatever you want to use the word? Once you open that box, it's real hard to get it back in. Because you end up having to tell lies to back up your lies, to back up your lies, to back up your lies. You know what? I'll tell the truth. Because God never blesses control. And once you open that box of lies, you got to keep being in control. And you got to keep making sure that the outcome is the way that you want it. Number two. Oh, John 8. Sorry, I was about to miss that. Your children are the father of the devil. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, you are the children of the devil. Your, your daddy's the devil. And you love the evil things. He does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. So what he's saying is the devil may bring you a truth, but he's going to twist it enough and counterfeit it to make sure that in the end it's a lie and he'll get you to believe it hook, line, and sinker. And I think this is the biggest problem. The devil knows the Bible better than you do. And when people weaponize the Bible, they'll take the truth and they'll use it out of context for their hope, for their purpose, for their thing. I'm not impressed with Bible knowledge. I'm impressed with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom is. So you can memorize the word and your daddy can still be the devil. We'll keep going. Manipulation is the second one. All of us have done it and all of us have been around it. All of us have done it and all of us have been around it. But look, in last week's text in Revelation 2, this is what it says about Jezebel in verse 20. It says, but I have this against you that you tolerate that woman. Jezebel, we won't get into the details of tolerate, but we know that's a hot word. But look, who calls herself a prophetess, pause. Manipulation oftentimes, now I'm not going to say always in this one, but oftentimes is self-promoting, self-proclaiming. If someone else calls you a prophetess or a prophet or a man of God or an awesome singer or an awesome this or an awesome that, praise the Lord, so be it. And it's probably true. And a lot of times it is. But if you have to proclaim to everybody to feel good about yourself what you are, are y'all with me? You got to be careful. Why? Because you're stepping into a door that ain't yours to step in. There's a reason that Jesus said, who do people say that I am to his disciples? And then who do you say that I am? Because do you notice if you read scripture how long it took Jesus to say, I am the son of God? He would answer things like, you say it so. And it was. He was God and man. But he didn't go around manipulating. Why? Because God does not control you. He allows you to decide if you think he's God. No one's going to end up in heaven. Because they were forced in. We ain't going to be singing 
inside those pearly gates worshiping God with anybody who's like, I sure don't want to be here, but I guess I will. Right? Because everybody has chosen to follow Jesus that does. And in the same way, when it's here and now, if I'm self-promoting, look what I am. I'm the man. I'm awesome. I'm all of these things. I'm a self-proclaimed prophet or whatever you want to fill in the blank. And I've been there. Why? Because when I'm doing things, I want people to be impressed with what I'm doing, so I'll end up trying to self-promote. Now, God's the one who said, I'm, listen, I'm going to show you why a platform is not bad. God's the one who said I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't build that platform. God said, I'm their God. Why? Because they were promoting Jesus or they were promoting the Lord. And once I try to get all of you to, to like me and put me on the pedestal, then I've missed the point of what we have to do, which is to pr promote the good Lord, to promote Jesus, to promote how great and awesome he is, because I want your affection more than I want God's. And it's easy to say, no, that's not what we're going to do. But we all struggle with it. Why? Because if we didn't, we'd stand on the truth. We wouldn't try to manipulate every situation. She's, and it says she's teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idol. And so what she's trying to get them to do, manipulate them to do, is defile their body outside and inside. Listen to me right now. If when you're having conversations with people, it's anything but what God would have them do. Hear me. If when I'm having conversations with people, I'm trying to woo them into anything but what God would have them do, what would glorify God, I have stepped into this. I'm manipulating into something wrong. What would defile outside, what would defile inside. And I got to be careful. Does that mean we shouldn't have fun? Of course not. I mean, God designed Eden. The word Eden means pleasure. <laughs> so is it bad to have pleasure? Come on. No. Sex inside of marriage is pleasure. God intended it that way, not just for reproduction, but pleasurable. But when I take it and it's twisted and I, it, the counterfeited way of anything pleasurable that I do outside of God's plan is sin. And oftentimes it's because I'm trying to control something that I want to do and God's not getting it there fast enough. And so I'll become a manipulator. I'll begin to manipulate. This has happened to every single one of us. And then the last one, and they can kind of go together, is intimidation and domination. Intimidation and domination. Because the thief wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And ultimately what we find is when control becomes something in my life and I white knuckle and they won't do it my way, y'all, this is where bullies come in. Why do people bully? Because they want their way. Or because they were bullied and their home life's terrible and they show it that way. You're not doing what I want, so I'm going to make it happen. That's why some dads that are authoritarian end up bullying their children. Because there's no hope for redemption on the back end of that beating. That's why what we watch in politics is so intimidating. Because they're hoping that through beating with their words, they can manipulate their way to what they want. And it happens in every political arena that you've ever seen. I don't know that I can think of a political place that isn't this way, at least some. And so we can name God on this side or on this side, but what I'm telling you is the church needs to step up and we need to do it the reverse, the upside-down culture because I don't trust that the Bloods or the Crips are going to do it right. Are y'all with me? Right. <laughs> Got to do it God's way.
Look how, look how Jezebel shows up with intimidation and control. Jezebel, in the first part of 1 Kings 18, this is the showcase showdown that we talked about last week where fire came down from heaven. In verse 4, it says that Jezebel tried to kill every prophet of God. Every single one, with no exception. Obadiah hit him in a cave. And then in chapter 19, verse 2, after fire was called down from heaven, Elijah is the man. He should have been walking around like, yeah, you saw. I prayed, ba-bam, that happened. And then I said it was going to rain and there was no clouds and then all of a sudden rain came and it hadn't rained for three and a half years. And you would think at that point, you good. And then one person named Jezebel steps up and in verse, in verse 2 of chapter 19, the very next chapter, this is not days later, this is the very next day, she says, before this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. And Elijah hid in a cave. I need to say this, I don't know why in this service. If you're walking with God and you feel like you're pursuing him in spirit, not about your feelings, but in your gut, you just know you're pursuing him, you're surrendering, you're walking with him daily, and you meet with somebody or you're around people that after you're with them, you feel like all the wind's out of your sail, like you've been clamped down like this. Happened to me this week. Honestly, like you almost can't function then you need to be aware of the fact that that's not just a person-to-person -person encounter. That that spirit has been invited in. Because if a man can be so powerful in the Lord that he can pray and fire can come from heaven after he's doused it with gallons and gallons of water, then we should be aware of the fact that we're not so powerful on our own, Right? that we can handle spiritual things without surrender. I had to tell the Lord this week and go to bed. I don't know what this was, but I can't do it on my own. And I was very keen and aware of what was taking place. Because the Lord did not give me a spirit of fear, but actually in the Greek, this word means timidity, which intimidation comes from. The Lord didn't give me a spirit to be intimidated. Does that mean I don't have a reverent fear? No, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's a good fear, but then there's an irreverent fear that's twisted to intimidate you, to cause you to be silent. The goal of true control is to silence the church, to silence the voice of the Lord. But he gave me a spirit of power and love and what kind of control? Say it loud. Isn't that interesting? See, this is, the, this is how I want to draw it in and help you all understand. This whole thing with control that I find so fascinating is when you say things, you got to be really careful as a pastor because people will call you a crazy person, a heretic. I can prove to you that even though God is so sovereign and absolutely holds, the Bible says he holds the universe in the span of his hand. Like We can't even find the end of the universe and it can fit in the span of his hand. And yet he's chosen. This is his choice to relinquish control. He's chosen for us in Genesis chapter 1 to fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over it. And in your case individually, here's how he chose to lead you. He chose to lead each and every one of us individually by not controlling and manipulating you. Do you know how many times I've prayed, God changed this about me? Come on, can we be honest in here? God changes, I hate this about me. Change this about me, change this about me. God will rescue and change your heart when you give him permission and he'll, he can come in. 
but he won't kick his way through the door. He's such a gentleman. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. A bully would just kick the door in. Because God really doesn't make people go to heaven, he really does let all those who love him and trust him as Savior be the ones that come in. But control was placed in my hand, which is why he gives me a spirit of self-control, self-discipline. He gives me the avenue through the word. He gives me the understanding of the manual for how to live this life through the word. But if I don't walk by faith and not by sight, then I'll yell at God for him not doing what it was my responsibility to do. Have you ever noticed this? I think this is cool. Have you ever noticed that there's no godly addictions? I mean, you can laugh, but be honest. How many of y'all are addicted to prayer? None of you. <laughs> how, many, how many people are addicted to reading the Bible? No one. How many people are addicted to going to church? If I gave cars away, we couldn't fill it up every time. Come on, somebody. Like, it's true. Nobody's addicted to these things. Nobody's addicted to giving. Nobody's addicted to serving. You know what we are addicted to? Anything that's been twisted that the enemy can control me. That's why when you're pursuing Jesus with everything in your life, what ends up being stumbling blocks after I try to re-seize control are, are ungodly or unrighteous addictions. Because the goal of the addiction, because the enemy leads them into my life, the, the, the goal of the addiction is just to take my eyes off of Jesus. Because these can become habits, but you cannot be addicted to them. Are y'all with me? They can become habits. But they'll never be something that control me because that's the difference is an addiction controls you and godly habits lead me. It guides me. There's always a relationship with godly habits. There's always manipulation with addiction. And when I follow the wrong thing, when I try to be in control, you know, the whole thing that it boils down to is this that I have to have y'all understand. This is what God's really impressed on my heart this week is I've really been pursuing Jesus for years and years, y'all. I don't just stand up here and try to preach and get sweaty a lot of weeks. Thank God it's not as hot today. I feel the Holy Ghost in that. I believe the Holy Spirit likes about 60 degrees. <laughs> it's, it's realizing the fact that I really did surrender my heart, weeping before him, realizing what a sinner that I was as a teenager. And every day, I can tell you there's not one day since I was a teenager that I haven't loved Jesus and tried to follow him. But I can tell you many things that I've suppressed, whether they're bad things that happened that had nothing to do with me, not my fault, but I've suppressed them and I pushed them down. Or whether the things that I did that I was embarrassed about and I suppressed them and I pushed them down. Or no matter what it is, there's just chambers of my heart or little places that are unsubmitted. So we love to say, I surrender all. And if you grew up in church, we sang that song, right? All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. But the reality is, most to Jesus I surrender. Most to him I freely give. But there's certain areas that if I uncover them or if I let you have them, I need to control this because if people find out what I'm really like, they may not think as highly of me. I don't need you to think highly of me. I need you to think highly of Jesus. That's what control does, by the way. The manipulation is to try to get you to believe that you're on your own on an island that you can't, that there's no way if they find out. But the reality is the person sitting next to you, the person you can look at, they're struggling in some area. And if we can just open our hands up and say, I don't have to control. If you think less of me, so be it. But if I'm right in the Lord, 
what's right in the Lord? He's first. I've surrendered, I've submitted. Then everything can change because I can feel peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. I can walk by faith. I can live my life the way that he's intended for me to live because if I just go out and try to prove that I'm not like my fill in the blank, whatever you're trying not to be, it don't work. And you'll actually become the thing that you hope you never will be because what controls you is what the enemy's plan is because he knows you'll destroy yourself. He doesn't have to destroy you. He just wants to catch you and can and let you try to control outcomes and situations and we're white-knuckled and we don't understand that the enemy takes what's good and perverts it and counterfeits it, which leads to control. So why is this so difficult to break? Y'all look, this is the close. Why is control so difficult to break? James 4, remember? I said last week the adultery I don't believe is literally just sexual. I believe it's your heart. And this is the half-brother of Jesus saying, you adulterous people, do you not know that a friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now listen, we can't change a culture we're the same as. And this is the problem. More often than not, what i found is that in my prayer time, I just hope that God will change my circumstances and and fix what I wish I was controlling and then I'll be happy. But here's the, the honest to God truth that I've had to face. I'm not proud of this, but it is what it is and I don't care. I've had to face the harsh reality that if something did happen to my wife and kids, y'all look this way. Would he be less good? And I would love to tell you, I know the answer is God's good all the time and could be no less good and just because God sent Jesus to take the place of my sins, he's that good. But the reality is I've struggled knowing how I would be because for my whole life I've been proud enough to say there's no way. But now I'm willingly admitting to you I struggle in those areas. I don't want to, but I do. And I'm not even sure why I'm supposed to say it in this service, but I know for sure I am. It grips me sometimes and I would never show anybody pride strike number two I struggle so bad to show emotion in areas of grief I'm really good at showing emotion when God moves I cry in front of y'all so many times but let something bad happen and I suppress it why I don't know except for the fact that there's a fear that's inside of me that has always gripped me but it's not anymore because I'm openly admitting it because I don't want to be controlled by the enemy and I don't want to have areas of unsubmittedness. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm using it in my life. And I know those have been areas that I've fought so hard, but it's not supposed to be my fighting. Why? You need only be still. He'll fight for you, but not my way. Listen, listen, listen. Get this. Get this, Christian. God will never anoint areas that I control. Hear me. Your gifts in Jesus are irrevocable, which means... When Shannon stands up and sings and Emma stands up and sings, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I don't mean this about Emma and Shannon negatively at all. But, but hear me, they don't need Jesus to sing good. At this point, they're gifted. Those gifts are irrevocable and they don't have to have God. But watch, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And you can't have anointing in areas you, can, you control. Why? 
Not because God's mean. Anointing means, if you want to know what that word means, if you're not used to it, supernatural enablement. Things that I can't do on my own that he does. When lives change, when radical things happen, you didn't do it. I don't care how good you are at what you do, you didn't do it. So if I want anointing to cover me every day, it's not real oil, it's supernatural, it's God's oil on my life. But if I want that to happen, it can't be in the areas that I can control or I am in control of. It's in the areas that I've submitted and surrendered. So while I have the natural ability to stand in front of you and speak, God will never move in an incredible way as long as I'm in control. It's only when he becomes greater and I become less. It's only when I follow what James' recipe tells me right here. Watch this. Or do you suppose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over my spirit and over your spirit that, that because he put his spirit in us to made to dwell in us, that God made us to have his spirit dwell in us. But God gives more grace, therefore, it says he opposes the proud. Those prideful places in my life that I don't give God access to, that I push down, I suppress, and I say, I don't want to feel these emotions. I don't want to deal with these things. I don't want, and y'all are totally different than me. Don't think that I'm saying everybody does what I do, but everybody does some of it. He, he's the enemy. God's enemy is not Satan. Satan's defeated. Don't ever let someone tell you that lie. Satan's your enemy and my enemy. But God's enemy is my heart that pushes against him. He opposes me when I'm proud. He's not angry with you but he, or, or Mark, but he opposes me. But he gives grace. He lifts me up. My favor. If, if it's, if it's man-made favor, you may have a big house and a nice car. And I'm not, I, there's nothing wrong with those things. But God's favor is him lifting you up. And it ain't fair. And it ain't, he's just going to do it. It will come through people, and it will come through him, and it will blow people's minds. But it gives more grace, not when I'm proud, not when I think I'm awesome, but when I'm, when I'm low. And I say, it's about you. So submit yourself, therefore, to God. And resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And this is what we get wrong. We know the enemy's attacking, so we try, to, we try to resist the devil. But according to James here, that's not how it works. I have to first submit myself fully to God. Because... God's plan for my life isn't control, but voluntary surrender. Voluntary surrender. He loves you so much. He wants you to give access back and say, it's all yours, God. It's all yours, God. I love this. This is my clothes, for real. Y'all go back to the beginning of the message, control. What did God tell them not to do? Don't eat from... Say it loud. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't leave the fruit from the tree. One tree. It says Christ redeemed us from the curse. Because they did, they were cursed of the law by becoming a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So by one tree, the first Adam took the fruit and became a curse. But the second Adam, according to 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible's really about two men, Adam and the second Adam, Jesus. First Adam made us in a curse. The second Adam became the curse and went on a tree. The first Adam ate from a tree. The second Adam went up on a tree so that the curse of the tree, listen, was no longer on me. Once I trust Jesus as Savior, I'm no longer that. And it's why this verse in the previous chapter makes so much sense that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ who lives in me lives. 
and the life I now live in my body, in this flesh, I live by faith in the, in the Son of God, in Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so this life is not about what you accomplish, what great things. This life is about if you've died to yourself. Because you will either die to yourself now and live forever. Or you'll live for yourself now and die forever. That is my only choice. And many of you have trusted Jesus as Savior, but you continue to be unsubmitted like me in areas of your life. And I can promise you it will be unfruitful, unfulfilling, and frustrating. And cycles come from unsubmitted places, places I try to control that are not godly. You will never see the full fruit of your labor. You'll never see the God potential that he planted in you the day that you trusted him as Savior. Before you were ever born, God put so much more potential in you than you can ever dream of, but it doesn't get fulfilled because you try hard to do good. It gets fulfilled because you surrender every day all to Jesus. That, to me, makes, makes Jesus' words so much more sense. Whoever would follow me must take up their cross daily. Whoever would lose his life for my sake would find it, but whoever keeps his life... What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? And I believe I'm talking to people in this room that you've so tried to keep up with the Joneses or make sure that people like you at school or, or, or wherever it is that it's the most frustrating thing in the world and you don't look at me. You don't like you. You know why we don't like ourselves? <laughs> I got to tell you all this. I don't even know why. There's a couple people in the room that I went to school with. You'll know what I'm talking about. But I've grown into my body, right? But I've always had big head and lips and ears. And I got made fun of so bad in middle school that my mom considered, I told Lainey this this week, my mom considered having this ear surgery to pin my ears back. And I laugh at it now because I was like, I'm not doing surgery. I told my mom no. But I think about it now, if I would have had my ears pinned back, big as my head is, I probably look silly now. Because I, I, I couldn't grow into it. There, there was a lot more mark that had to happen over the next 25 years, right? Jesus, help me. But I was so concerned. Because I do have big features. But watch, I'm not even trying to make fun. And that's fine. And if I can do something like lose some weight or change some things, so be it. It's not bad. But it doesn't change how I feel. Are y'all with me? Ultimately, I don't feel better because mama would have pinned my ears back. I would have still been Mark and had to face Mark in the mirror. And it wouldn't have been a sin by any stretch. But I had to get comfortable being me. Not by bowing my chest up and thinking I'm awesome. But surrendering every day. And for some of you in this room, that's never happened because you've never made him Lord of your life. And the only way you can find peace is by saying, Jesus, you're the Lord. I'm letting control go by trusting you as my Savior. And then every other person in the room, it's a daily habit. He'll never control you to do it. Will you bow your head? Close your eyes. Like I told you, there was eight that responded in the first service. I believe watching online, I believe watching online or sitting in here right now, there's people listening to me that you've never made Jesus Lord. He will not force his way in, but he's standing at the door of your life knocking, waiting on you to say, come on, Jesus, come on in. Live in here. I love you back. Because that's ultimately what God's waiting on. 
He loves you, and he just wants you to say, I love you back. I give you my life. So I just wonder, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, really quickly, I believe the Lord's moving. I don't have to manipulate it because I believe this service is anointed. Who would say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I'm tired of running. I don't care what everybody thinks. My pride is going where it belongs. To hell with the devil. I'm ready to follow Jesus. I don't care who knows it. I want to follow him. If that's you, I just want you to throw your hand up. You don't have to keep it up long. Just throw your hand up and you can put it right back down. That's me, Mark. That's me. If you're watching online, thank you. I see your hand over there. Anybody else? If you're watching online, I'm going to say a prayer in just a second. If you're in this room, we had at least one person raise their hand. Here's what I want everybody to do. Out loud, loud and proud for your brothers and sisters around you. I want to pray this prayer. I know some of y'all have been saved longer than me. But I want y'all to pray this out loud because Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him to the dead, you will be saved. I believe the minute that you said, I want to say yes to Jesus, you believed in your heart. So let's confess it out loud together. Are y'all ready? If you're ready, say yes. yes. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died and you became a curse so that I could have life in your name. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You rose from the dead. You became my sin so that I could be your child. I give you my life. Today, I am your child. Amen. Come on, let's, let's make some noise in this place and thank Jesus Hey, if you did that, whether you're at home or in this room, I want you to text this number that's going to be on the screen, 864-606-3600, 864-606-3600. One word, just text the word alive. We're not going to bombard you. We're not going to overwhelm you. We just want to get record of it and begin to help you because you can't do this alone. Satan wants to isolate you. The worst part of hell will not be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. It will not be the fire. It will be the solitary confinement for the rest of of eternity and Satan wants to put you there now Christian and that's not how God made us he said it's not good for man to be alone and he made a helpmate and even if you're not married or you're never going to get married we do life together and so let us help you let us begin to walk with you here's the, here's the closing for everybody else you can't do this through trying hard y'all look at me you can't do this through trying hard you can't try hard enough you'll never get this right until humility becomes habitual, until humility is the first thing every day, until I look at my brothers and sisters and say, you've called me to something different, but I'm not better than any of them. And I pray deeply for them. We pray for our city. We pray for our schools. We pray for every single place that we go, and we put Jesus first. Until I become less than in my mind, I don't think it's thinking less of yourself. I think it's thinking of yourself less. And we're elevating Jesus. You'll mess this up every day. So in this last song, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to respond by making this your altar. And you know what? If you need to make this your altar, you come. But that's not really the invitation. The invitation is through this last song that they're going to lead us in. I want y'all to just worship Jesus honestly, in spirit and in truth, and all of you, understanding that if I hold anything back, 
I've not really surrendered all. I'm, I'm, I'm compartmentalizing and I'm trying to control. God didn't build you to be a person of control, but a person of surrender. So just with hands lifted high, I just want you to let this song be a testimony right now. Will you stand and sing with us?